Hello, good people. Welcome to Black Up. Thank you for joining us. Today, we will be talking about matters of the Black community. We will be talking about Black Lives Matter and the term Black on Black Crimes. Um, our last episode, we were talking about Black fathers. And on this episode today, we will dive further into those two um, issues that we say are in the Black community. And this is Lucy Lou, and I will allow my friends to introduce themselves. Hi, this is Dr. Curtis Taylor. Hey, y'all. This is Takoya. Hey, this is Tania. What's up, you guys? It's Brandon LaPriest. All right. So, y'all, over the um, last few weeks, we've seen a large amount of events that have been related to Black people and race issues in the country. So, one of the things that I've noticed a lot are cities who are painting the phrase Black Lives Matter on the streets. How do you all feel about that? Do you feel like it's a, a, a band-aid on the issue or do you feel like it's a step in the right direction? I think it's a step. I think it's a good band-aid. That's what I think. I think it's a step in the right direction and I think it's kind of a band-aid on a larger issue. So I think both. I think it's a really good and appropriate band-aid. Um, to me, I believe that it's a step in the right direction. It's making um, the movement larger. Um, it's, I think it's also bringing about awareness. Of course, we know the purpose for Black Lives Matter, but I think it's also showing support from different cities and showing that there are members of that particular community that respect the movement of Black Lives Matter is also as supporting um, the movement of Black Lives Matter. There is some other issues, and I'm not going to hop into them right now, but it's some other things that I see that I do think are Band-Aids, um, it's a way of trying to um, soothe, smooth everything over for the moment. Um, and it's really taking the focus off of the bigger issue. But I'm not, I'm not going to happen to that just yet. I'll let y'all go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 I somewhat agree with that. Yeah, I think it's a definitely feels like a, um, a sentiment of like we are understanding this problem now. We're seeing this problem. And so we want to make this like a gesture to show that we are together and we're with you. Um, <clears throat> but I do agree that it does not uh, address any of the like underlying issues, which is that systematic system, you know, systematic racism, which is built around white supremacy. So <laughs> creating laws and creating um, policies and creating um, new systems to replace what we have had as a, as a nation that's what I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm looking for just like a a second reconstruction. Right. I I agree with that. Just making sure we actually get to the root of it, which is the systemic racism. Not, you know, just paint painting, you know, letters on a on the asphalt or anything like that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we need to really get to the root of it. Like it's a lot of things going on in workplaces, um, government offices, just everywhere that's really against black people. So we need to look into that first. Right. So I think we all agree, like, okay, we see that these cities are recognizing but we want more action to go with it. Antonio brought up some really good points because that was my next question was, what are some other things that we want to see? And I agree, we need some legislation. We need some um, laws. We need, we need a lot of changes. But going back to the paintings, 
I saw um, here in the upstate, there was a discussion about a beautiful Black Lives Matter painting to happen here in South Carolina, um, but they only had a white artist to complete it. Do you all feel that's the issue when they're there? The, the thought is in the right place, but do you feel like that's the issue when you're doing something for black people, but you're not even um, giving black artists a chance to showcase their work and talent? Do you think that's kind of like part yeah, of the I issue like that we're fighting against? Is I it, think the first question is, right. did they reach out to black artists? Or did they just take the kind of How you can't find a black artist? Like, what you mean? That's yeah, crazy. They I could. Yes. This is a choice we're making. Yes. From what but I did I anybody get an opportunity to to reach out or did you just hear about it and say oh well you didn't re you know you need black people involved did they give you did they give a person the artist a chance to reach out or did they just the artist just didn't take that initiative to reach out it's it well i, I want to ask that question yeah from what tania was kind of like stating so did they um either like put like a um like a call for artists right. and say like, we're looking for a a mural to be painted and we're looking for artists that we could possibly um you know bring on board for this project so whether like this whole like pool of applicants and interviews or did they just like network and find somebody that they felt would do the i think that's the biggest thing is trying to figure out what was the process and in determining which artist was going to be responsible for creating the mural. Um, that's that's something that we probably need to research and just kind of figure it out. But can we agree that it probably should be a black artist to do this and not a white artist? I don't really think that the artist does that matters. I just think the message is more important. I mean, not saying, I don't think you should discriminate and say it can't be this person or it should be this person or this person shouldn't do it because um, they're white or this person shall we do it because it's black. I think that can kind of be a little bit um, counterproductive to the cause. I just think that, you know, the opportunity should have been allowed because, I mean, of course, that's that's something that can be a teamwork effort. So it's, it's I think it's something that can be allowed for multiple people to work on together. And from so, the why, so why do you feel that it needs to be a black artist? Why do you feel so strongly about that? I guess the first thing that, that it's just to me, it's more of a no brainer. Of course, it should be a black artist because that shows that it's not just it's not just words on a pavement. It's real. It's a real black person who's connected to this movement. Now, I'm not saying that white people can't be connected. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that a deep uh, experiential understanding is going to come from a black person. And so my preference would be having a black person to do a black lives matter uh, mural. I think it, it, it lends more genuine. I don't know. It lends more authenticity to the black lives matter that's on the asphalt. If it's a black artist that did it, because as soon as I was not aware of this, and as soon as Lucy said a white artist, literally, I sucked my teeth and rolled my eyes and leaned back. That's that was my initial reaction. So I don't want the movement to lose any steam because that was, you know, that was my reaction. I'm sure it's other people's reaction too. 
And you're right, Takoya. Um, on the Instagram post that I saw, there were a lot of people voicing their opinion, like, hey, um, and the artist was really open to it and they gave names of black artists, and she's like, Oh, I'll reach out to them. Because I do agree with Takoya. I will I would prefer to see it from a black artist, even though her work is beautiful, magnificent work. But I just want to see more black artists be their work be showcased. Because downtown mm -hmm. Greenville, there are galleries, and I can't say if I know specifically, but um, I can't imagine there being a lot of black artists in those galleries with the art. And I think it's just a great chance to showcase some of the art and talent within the Greenville community of some of the black artists. So you all, we brought up Black Lives Matter. How do you feel about people comparing Black Lives Matter to like the KKK? That's been a theme that I've been seeing it's this not week. A that's not a, that's not a good comparison, right? Break down why you feel like it's not. Black Lives Matter is just saying that we matter. We matter too. It's not saying we matter above everybody else. It's just saying we matter too. We need to be treated equally. Also, KKK is just that's just a racist group of people. They they think they superior to everybody, and they're domestic terrorists. Exactly. They really are. And I don't understand exactly why nobody or the government doesn't categorize them as domestic terrorists. But they but they real quick to categorize Black Lives Matter as like a um terrorist group when that's not true. How is how are how I see I don't understand that logic. So how are they able to describe Black Lives Matter as a terrorist group? So who are are we are we killing people? Are no. are, are what's what is that going on? But we do know that the KKK has history mm -hmm. of lynching black men and women and children. We do know that the KKK has history of bombing buildings. We do know that history has said that these individuals have tried to create um, some sort of genocide for the African-American community. So I don't understand where we are seeing this correlation. What I see is that these white individuals can't deal with their guilt mm. of their past and their ancestors. So they want to try to create a story that's a little or create a um, some narrative where they feel more at ease with themselves. That's what I feel. Antonio, I just if I could just piggyback on that, you said something. Um, you said, like, why is the KKK not really seen as a terrorist group or why is Black Lives Matter seen as terrorizing? And I think that's the reason for Black Lives Matter. We literally don't have to be doing anything and they will grasp on to this false sense of terror. So us marching with signs is scary to them. But them, you know, marching with guns is, is that's that's just the KKK doing the KKK stuff. Is that sense of terror? And I'm not even sure. And I'm so I'm conflicted and I'm confused. Just like you, like how can you see people and be scared? You know, person. You know why some people think like that? Because they because it's their childhood. They grew up like that. So th their mentality is okay. So when I see 
like Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. They they're gonna they're gonna come for my job. They're gonna come for. They're trying to eliminate the white race. Um, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. They thinking like that. They scared to be us. They scared to be marginalized because right. Right, there is a population trend where white people are going to become the minority. And I think. I think one of the greatest reasons that they see us as a threat right now is because because of the awareness that's been brought to the table about, you know, police brutality, um, systemic racism, injustices when it comes down to murders and the different lynchings in the current events that are taking place across the country. It's brought about a huge conversation piece that really challenges us as a nation to look at some of the ideals that we have in, in our country, things that make us uncomfortable. For instance, the removal of statues. We have statues in place that represent the Confederate States of America, a country that was established because of the treason from, you know, the main country, which was the Union, where they broke apart. Of course, that's the big um that's the, that's the big debate that everybody's going back and forth with right now. Well, what was the true reason for them to break them apart? It wasn't about slavery, it was about states' rights. However, we know that slavery is an undertone that's under the heritage of the South. Um, so that's one of the biggest things right now that's being discussed is because they're upset because their heritage is being attacked. However, we have to also look at it. Why should we want to have statues in place around our nation that represent such a dark time period? Why should we want to um, memorialize and you know provide statues and things like that around our nation that talks about or that represents such a hurtful time for minority people? And because it's being challenged, because it's being um, things are being put into place to basically alleviate all of those memories that, that people want to hold on to. The Confederate flag, we know it's a hate symbol. I grew up knowing it was a hate symbol, but because we have these things that we want to hold on to, and we don't want to engage in dialogue and really take action to remove those things. We have buildings across our nation that are named after um, slave owners or um, people, different, different, just different things like that. So it's things that we don't want to get rid of, things we want to hold on to without looking up how it can affect people around it. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest issues because they want to blame it on what this, all these people, Black Lives Matter, they're the reason for all this stuff going on. But if you look at it, it's actually something that we should be challenging our own thought process on. Why are these things, why are these statues up? What's the importance of them? Lucy, can I ask you a question? Yes. So I, I feel very strong. In the very beginning, we had talked about if the Black Lives Matter on the asphalt was just a Band-Aid. And I think like we're kind of on the same accord about it being, you know, you could do more. There should be more. Do you feel like removing these statues is also like a Band-Aid? Because uh, Breonna Taylor Killer's still out there. You taking down yeah, the statue. Definitely a Band-Aid. The, the statue is a Band-Aid. Let's play look every voice and sing at the beginning of um of each season for the NFL players, Band-Aid. Let's go and change the name of this, Band-Aid. Let's go now out that's here. That's one thing I with right now. It's them trying to exploit yeah, that song if, and sing it before NFL games. Colin Kaepernick been kneeling, and now all of a sudden y'all right. like, come on now. Right. After ruining his career. Anybody who Jamama changed the um this name of the serial, let's see the change band-aid. All of these different things that they're doing right now is band-aids. Because like you said, we still got killers walking around here who, you know what I'm saying? We still got systems that are in place. Let's get these things changed. 
Let's stop putting band-aids on other things and making people upset. Because really, what this, I, to me, it's a strategic thing to keep whites fighting against blacks. I'm just it's, it's, it's a strategy versus focusing Ooh. on the smaller things that really don't have a significant uh, a significance and we're focusing on those things versus looking at the, the hardcore issues that's really going to bring change to our country well hold on hold on hold on i, I want to go to lucy for a moment lucy you said it's a it's a distraction what do you yes. mean by i feel like and this is going to move me into the second part that i want to talk about so i feel like right now we have so many things that as a group, as a black group, we're focused on that we're being distracted. Like we got people fussing about the names of everything. We got people fussing about statues. We got people fussing about black on black crime, which I want to get to. And I feel like there's so many distractions that is kind of weakening the movement in a sense, because we're kind of divided amongst ourselves because we really don't have any leadership with this movement. So, I feel like we have some people who like, oh, those are good changes. They changing the name of the buildings and clips and stuff. That's good. Woo-ha, woo-ha. Then you got people who like, no, we need Breonna Taylor's killers arrested immediately. 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 And I feel like we have so many distractions and so many different things going on that people are distracted and we're losing focus and we're turning on each other and fighting within. And I think that the government knows if we come together, it's nothing we can't do. Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing we can't do. Here's the thing, though. I think, honestly, we we deserve all of it. And so, like, yes. the statues being removed, yes. I know I've been on, um, what's it called? I've been on change.org petitions forever to get statues removed and buildings' names changed and all this stuff. But I feel like once people started really listening to us it's kind of like okay while i have your ear aunt jemima while i have your ear because i've been trying to get your ear for the past yeah what seven hundred years while i have your ear finally do something about that um confederate flag hey while i have your ear don't forget about the nfl when we trying to pack so much in and we i just want to be clear i feel like we deserve all of it i agree we deserve them the names change. We deserve all of it. But I think sometimes we got to prioritize at what we're going to go for. But I do agree with you 200%. So can I move to my next point, y'all? Because y'all know I feel very, very passionate about this. Um, I want to talk about the, the phrase black on black crime. And for those of you who um, are listening, I'm pretty sure you've watched the news and you've seen that there was a mass shooting in Greenville, South Carolina at a club called Lavish Lounge. There was a rap artist on Gucci Mane's um, record label, Fugiano, Fugiano, not for sure how to say the young man's name. Well, there were two people killed, a 23-year-old young lady who had two children, and there was a security guard, a 51-year-old gentleman who was a father and a grandfather. And the one thing that I've seen consistently on Facebook are people going off about, how can y'all say black lives matter and blacks keep killing each other? We need to focus on black on black crime. And I get really irritated by it because I feel like the Black Lives Matter movement and what's going on in the black community, the crime going on are two completely different issues that both need our attention. So how do you all feel about the phrase black on black crime? 
I, I don't like that. And I think people need to be quiet when they say that because it's white on white crime, Asian on Asian crime. Like people kill people. Like it's usually the same race killing the same race. Why do people like to emphasize black on black crime? Like we don't like black people are the only ones killing black people. That's not true. White people kill black people. Black people kill white people. There's no such thing as black on black crime. If if that's the case, then it need to be white on white crime. But but there is, like you said, like if you look at statistics, if you go on FBI, the number of white people killed by white people is significantly higher than, you know, the people who kill Asian people because we tend to live and interact in communities that look like us. So you're more likely to be harmed by somebody of your own race. But do you all feel like they weaponize that phrase against black people? Oh yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's another way of making us um look like animals. Yeah, you know that's how that has been like the narrative from slavery is that we're not human, and so this this even go back to the point of Black Lives Matter is that you need to start to see and rehumanize the uh, the the black person as a black person. You need to see me as a human. And so I I think that's what I that's those are my feelings. Those are my thoughts. I think they do weaponize it. I think the media likes to um, prime example. Okay, let's say uh, a white male um, shoots um, a police officer or whatever in the news. The first thing you're going to see you his picture is going to be a family photo that he took probably five years ago. Mm hmm. That's gonna be your suspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The black dude, it, they're gonna try to find a mugshot. They're gonna try to find something that shows this man as George a, W. Bush as a thug, quote unquote. George thug. W. Bush. That's how he won the presidency. Not George W. Bush. Um, George Bush, his father. That's how he won. Posted this black man on this. Um, you know his one of his ads. And had all this oh yeah I remember idea around to be yes around him being a criminal and I'm gonna protect you from this type of criminal yeah I I don't well I was small when that happened but I do remember seeing something about that um how he used that in his campaign and of course people fell for it and was like oh he's gonna protect us to get this every out of crime off the off of the streets that's not true it pushes and a that's another thing. People so gullible watching the news, you know, some stuff as far as like what's going on in this country, like they so gullible. Like, for example, with this administration now, they say, oh, y'all need to drink some Lysol. Go ahead and do it. And you won't have Corona. And then some people so dumb, they'll do it. They'll actually drink the Lysol and then be put in the hospital and they'll say, oh, I, I was in the hospital not because I drank the Lysol, but because People are wearing masks, and that's the reason why, because um, you don't have to wear a mask. You know, that's just random stuff. Right. (laughs) And you're right. People believe what what they want to believe. And unfortunately, the news a lot of times pushes certain narratives. And if this person already believes that, oh, I believe that black people are bad. So, oh, yeah, you see all that black on black crime? That's not a fact. And we got to look at black communities being over-policed. We got to look at the true core issues. Do I believe that there are issues in the black community? I do. So, guys, like we know there are issues in the black community. We we know it. 
What are some steps that you think we need to do to help correct some of these issues? To decrease the crime? Like, what are some things that you all feel we need? I think it I think it starts with um I really do do think that think it starts with education and um yes. and I, it must be biased because I'm an educator. But I think that and in a lot of schools that are low income, in low income K through twelve schools, they are not provided the same quality of instruction as uh very affluent schools. And so the students that have, that attend the low income schools are majority minority students, so Black and Latinx students usually. And so they we have an experience with those teachers. I mean, students at these schools they go through teachers. Teachers usually don't stay. Mm-hmm. Um, teachers usually don't build relationships with them. Teachers, um, because I'm a, you know a mathematics person. That's me. Teachers um, tend to teach, teach mathematics as um, decontextualized from from real world, right? They just get procedures, right? So it's what we call a pedagogy of poverty, or um, the pedagogy of you know the, of oppressed people. Um, and so this is what students are exposed to. And and then we also have to understand too. A lot of the schools are are. Um, mainly white teachers. So about 80% of teachers, of classroom teachers in the United States are are white. And, and then you have to understand that because we have such a discrepancy in the amount of white teachers to co- teachers of color, this is causing um, students to see, to have to combat in who they are in schools. I have to figure out do I keep my racial identity or do I need to assimilate to meet this person's needs in school? Am I looked at and called on? Am I seen as brilliant? Just like you see such and such as brilliant. So we fight, we end up losing out on our experiences in school. And because of that, I don't, you know, I don't say, I don't think it directly affects black on black crime or anything, but I'm saying that it's, a system in our in, in our education that needs to be fixed. So I'm uh, I'm gonna paint a picture for y'all. And y'all see y'all follow me with this because most of us, you know, we work in the public and stuff. How many of us knew people who was always kicked out of class, always suspended, always expelled? Yeah. Those kids sometimes have working parents or parents who are doing whatever. Which why I say I think this issue. Um, with crime in the black community is way deeper than people really want to talk about. We want to point fingers. But so these kids end up in the community. Again, the people in their community looks like them. So they're black people. So getting in trouble, they're still and they getting into stuff. Guess who they're committing these crimes against other black people. Um, Takoya, I want to ask you something as a black mother, because you're the only parent in here. Do you feel like parenting and the way people are brought up has something to do with the black crime rate? I think that the way that white people parent <laughs> has to do with the, with the crime rate. I think that when uh, when Antonio answered the question and said education, I was like, kaboom, that's it. But it's really I, what I think it is that you have to tear down these systems. And I think that tearing down the systems is going to start with how these white parents raise their children. I mean, if you create a climate ripe for crime, 
crime is going to happen there. If you created the same climate for white people, if you created the same climate for Asian people, the same climate for Pacific Islanders, whatever, if, when you create that kind of climate, it's like the perfect storm. It's the perfect place for crime to just happen. And so I think that in order to stop black on black crime, I think it has to do with how how are white people raising their children and are white people allowing their children to go to school with black children so that they can see and experience them are or are these children, these white children left to only hold on to the narrative that, oh, black people are all bad. Okay, so when they grow up and they go to college and they become, you know, movers and shakers, they're going to have that same idea. That idea is going to stay because they've never they've never experienced black people. They might have had one black kid in their class that won some kind of education lottery to get there. And I think that that's the problem. I don't. And you, y'all might disagree with me. But I don't think that it starts uh with us well i'm gonna disagree with you there a little bit and let me tell you why what i'm seeing a lot of and this is just from some of my experience in education is some of our parents in our community are handing down trauma hurt abandonment neglect and i think we got to put some things in the community like we need to talk about housing of course, education is right. number one. Housing, job availability, because what I'm seeing is, oh, my mama party every night. I'm here with her new boyfriend who I call daddy. And it's just a lot of these things that cycles and stuff. And how do we, when you coincide that with the people who are raising their kids to think black people are bad, it makes a, a recipe for a perfect storm and we can't control what other cultures do but what can we control in our culture right. because i'm seeing it like some of the stuff that's been going on this past weekend y'all i've seen some crazy stuff man like just between the news and what's been going on and i i know for a fact i can't call names but i know for a fact that some of the stuff is cycles oh i saw my dad and my daddy right. a triple og so i'm a triple og and we don't have nobody telling these kids or showing them any better like i love the parent that you are Sequoia, I love it because you expose your son to different environments. You challenge him. You're there for everything. You're supportive. You're loving. And unfortunately, some people were they were that wasn't their childhood. So they don't know how to give it to their child. So how can we what can we do in the community y'all, to help some of the stuff? Because I do believe that in order for us to improve some of the stuff that's going on in the black community, it's going to take all of us from the top to the bottom. To help. That's what I, I agree with that, and that's like the uh, um, the Harlem. I, I think it's called the Harlem Project. The Harlem Project is similar to that, and I might be um, saying the wrong name, but it takes um, parents from um, you know black communities and and bring them into their school to teach them how to to to. Um, to pretty much raise their children, how, how children grow and develop. It helps those parents to understand that you need to do these things for your, your, your son and your daughter to, to grow in a healthy environment. This is what you need to do. And then those two students go from, from, you know, the parents go through the system, the kids go through like the, the, 
preschool and then it actually go through the, the the school system going through this mindset of involving the community and teaching the community how to raise kings and queens. But then when they go out into the world and their health care is different and they go out into the world and their job opportunities are different. And that and that's and you're right. And that's why it's systemic that and you say, how do we change it? I think we yeah, of course, it's going to take everyone. But we need to start like with mentors, like mentoring mm-hmm. uh, these kids and things like that. So they can grow up to be that doctor or that lawyer or that scientist or the president or whatever, because it's really systemic. So, yeah, we might get so far. Like, you know, we, you know, my cousin might be a doctor, but my cousin can't see every black person. It's always going to be somebody who goes to the doctor who doesn't get treated fairly. So it's going to take, it's up to us to make sure we raising our kids correctly. So they do have that opportunity, but it also means we're going to have to change some of these laws also. Mm-hmm. So I think even from there, it starts at home. It starts in our homes. We have to set the level of expectation that I don't care what. Okay, number one, we have to be transparent about the things that took place in our homes. And I'll speak for myself. My mom knew my, my dad's narrative. And we talked about this on the last podcast, on the last episode. My father was a drug dealer. And my mom was adamant that, Brandon, you're not going to be that. You're not going to be a product of your environment. So she was very adamant about instilling those positive things into me and allowing me to see positive people, allowing and put me in places to see positive men who are making positive changes in our community. And it's so important that as a village, and I'm going to be honest, this is just my personal opinion, my village might not always look like me. My village might look like because I mean, it's not just about family. My village might be a neighbor. My village might be a person who works with with um with my mom, who is an awesome role model, who has experiences that can give me experiences. We can't stay in isolation. And I even think back to my old position when I was at my old school as Title One facilitator. It was our responsibility at the school. It was my responsibility to expose our parents and our children to different atmospheres and different activities that allowed them to see a broader picture. It was our responsibility as a village at my school to ensure that we were giving them different experiences and giving our parents parenting techniques that will allow them to be successful, that they can go back into their homes, different things, educational things, as well as life, as well as life lessons that will really help them to be successful. So it starts, yes, it's in the education system, it's in the laws, but it starts off in our homes. We have to make sure we're giving a positive image and teaching our kids what they need to know in order to be successful, what they need to know in order not just to code switch or to assimilate, but also to be able to, I hate to say it, but to survive. These are things that you need to be able to do to survive. You need to know how to be able to maneuver and navigate through a world that might not always have been designed for you to be successful, but it's giving you the opportunities and it's teaching you what the, the different skills, the different giving you the knowledge that you need in order to be able to go out and successfully navigate through our society. I agree with that. And when y'all was talking about helping parents, when I was at a Title I elementary school, me and my coworker Gavin Jackson, what's up, Gavin? We worked together to create a parent academy to try to give resources to parents, but y'all, it was not well received. So I do think part of what we got to do in our community is we got to heal. We got a lot of people who were brought up in brokenness and just ugliness, you know, just for so many different reasons. We got to break these generational curses and stuff. And Sequoia said something very important that I agree with. When she was talking about how, um, how white people raise their kids and stuff and because I think what we've talked about shows the importance of both 
both aspects of this. And that's what I wanted us to talk about because I've seen so many people try to divide the Black Lives Matter movement against um, the black community issues and crime and stuff. Y'all, they are two separate issues that are both equally important. Because as Sequoia said, how people, other cultures raise their children to see our children is going to impact them. But as we're also saying, the way we raise our children and what we hand them is also very critical um, to help them being successful. So I think all in all, both movements and both parts are very, very important. The work we do inside the black community and the things that we're advocating for and the justice and equality and things that we're asking for outside the black community are both important because at the end of the day, they both play major roles in our lives. They both play very, very major roles. So I want to wrap it up because I think we've discussed a lot. Is there any closing thoughts that anybody has? Black Lives Matter. Get your concealed weapons permit. And if you can, mentor. Mentor a kid. Volunteer in your community. Um, big brother, big sister program. We need positive role models. And once again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to reiterate what I said already. I think that it starts at home. Because I think about serving in the classroom. I think about the role models I had. I think about the activities that you can have in your community, different boys and girls clubs. You have different after school programs. People who are really out here trying to make a uh, impact on our on our children. People who are really out here trying to be catalysts of change. And I think about all those great people. But at the end of the day, and I used to even put myself back in the equation when I taught, and even you know, serving as an assistant principal, they only see me for a small fraction of the day. When you look at when they're seeing how much time they spend with me versus how much time they spend in their homes. I can go in there and I can give them the perfect role model of what they can achieve to be and what they can strive to be. However, if it's not being instilled at home, right. my small portion that I'm pouring, I'm pointing to the cup, but at the same time, it's being overshadowed by what's being at home. So if you're not giving your kids that, that leg to stand on at home, if you're not pointing to them and giving them those morals and those values, it's, it's, it's going to outweigh what the more what the mentors and what the teachers and what, whoever else is pouring into them. So it starts at home. We really have to make sure that we're providing them with that strong foundation at the house. I do agree with you on that part, but I, I don't think it it's totally overshadows you because I wouldn't say it completely overshadows, but I think it it really does. It makes it harder. The likelihood and the probability, because my thing is, yeah, it, it probably does make it harder. But I think, yeah. like on down the line, those kids will remember. Like, oh, I remember. Most definitely, he did. I, mean, I, yeah. I have kids now who talk to me on social media or send me um, emails and say, like, thank you for all that you did. But the thing about it, if you have a Mr. McIntosh in third grade, but then fourth grade, fifth grade, you don't have that same teacher. You have somebody who might be, you know, who don't even care. They're just there to get their student loans forgiven. It, sometimes it tends to it offsets each other. So it, I'm not saying that the impact can't be made. I'm not saying they won't be long lasting. Because sometimes it doesn't have as it's not as mo- it's not as powerful as the home relationship is. Mm-hmm. That matters. Like we can plant the seeds, but we need help watering it. And I do think some mm-hmm. of the watering definitely does come from home. Because I we I know stories on both sides. You know, to where it was watered, and other time where it seemed like it was scuffed out. Yeah, let's go get some uh, therapy, too, because when I tell you, um, people think they okay, but shoot, working in regular workplaces, whether you work in corporate America or wherever, 
constantly having to look at the, you know, watch your back because you're working with people who like to throw people under the bus. Like, we need to go to therapy, seriously. And let's stop putting a negative connotation on therapy because a lot of times in our community, let's just be honest, we always like to say, oh, you know, if you go to therapy, that means you're crazy or that means you got this going on or we don't need therapy. You can have Jesus in therapy at the same time. There's nothing wrong with it. Jesus created the therapist as well. So there's nothing wrong with having Jesus in therapy. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make it doesn't mean that you're, you know, have issues. It just means that you have enough sense to understand that I can't walk through this emotional battle on my own. I need someone to help coach me through it. Right. Let's heal so that we can raise these babies and improve and grow our community. So thank you all for listening. And we hope that you will check us out again. Black up. Black up. Yeah.